Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out in the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. You're listening to the Huddle Up! Podcast with Chad Jensen and Zach Kelberman. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com and sound off. And now it's time to drop some knowledge. Hey, we are live. Gotta let it breathe here just for a second while bring on Facebook family here. We are good. Welcome in, everybody, to the Huddle Up! Podcast, presented, as always, by Mile High Huddle, powered by Overtime Media. I'm your host, Chad Jensen. With me, as always, my partner in crime. You know him, you love him. He is my fellow football priest, Zach Kelberman. Zach, you've had some really fire stories the last couple of days. We only briefly scratched the surface on that whole Marcus Mariota scratch uh, uh, conjecture of, you know, bring him over from the Raiders, whatever, from Connor Orr. But the one I want to talk to you about is the Jerry Judy story that you published today, excuse me, where you basically, you know, you reported and analyzed what he had to say post game. So with that being said, as we're sitting here in the aftermath pod, what was the takeaway from Jerry Judy's own remarks post game? I thought for the most part, he did a good job of owning up. And he said, the balls definitely came my way. The targets came my way and I didn't make the catch and they were just drops. I, on one hand, I would have liked to him be a little more cliche and be like, listen, I apologize to Locke. I apologize to my teammates. It can't happen again. You like to hear at least somewhat of those platitudes, but he was just, he said, it's just drops. It's catches I have to make. There's, there's, you know, there's plays I have to make on the field. The one thing that I took out of what he said, because everything else was one line. If you look through the transcripts or the quotes, Chad, but when you got to the part about what, what Locke said to him on the sideline. And this is the leadership of the quarterback of the Broncos right now that goes, uh, it's, it's doesn't get a lot of attention, but this is what he came, he went up to Jerry Judy, who supposedly threw his helmet on the sideline. He had that much frustration. He said, listen, you're going to be great. You're going to have more games like today. You're going to have a lot more positive games, a lot more highlights. You have a great career ahead of you, but don't let this bog you down. Move past it. Have amnesia. And he said, Drew's a great teammate. I really appreciated that. And after he told me, I decided to move on and try to be better. He owned up, you know, he said, it's on me. It's it's pretty much what you'd expect. And uh, hopefully we see a, a little more of a mature Jerry Judy 
at least in the final game next week. Credited with only five drops. I say only because I saw seven out there. And I'd be curious. It's made me curious, Zach, to see what how exactly the statisticians out there define a drop. Does it have to be like perfectly on the chest plate to be defined as a drop? Does it, if you're extended, does that negate and you drop it? Does that not count as a drop? I don't know, but the dude dropped seven balls in my estimation. And a couple of them were really killers, man. They were crucial reasons, factors why the Broncos lost that game. Dropped a touchdown, not an easy catch, but similar to that one. I want to say it was the Tampa game that uh, Jeff Driscoll started where he caught one or no, no, excuse me. There was, it was the uh, next game. No, it was week six against the Patriots. Drew Locke dropping dimes. Memory had like four or five drops. A couple of them were touchdowns. One was from Judy, and it was an over-the-shoulder in the corner where it's like, hey, man, that's not an easy catch, but if you are truly one of the upper echelon wide receivers in the world, that's a right. that's a catch you make. And the one on Sunday against the Chargers, Zach, was kind of similar to that where it wasn't perfect. It wasn't an easy – wouldn't have been an easy catch, but still a catch you got to make because Drew had to put it up high because of the coverage. You go up, you get it, you tippy-toe. You know, that's how a superstar does it in the league. I mean, how I define it is if it's anywhere in your catch radius, if you get your hands anywhere on it or anywhere near it, you're expected to make the catch, not just as a wide receiver, but as a first-round rookie wide receiver or any other um, you know, high-profile, highly-touted receiver like Jerry Judy. He killed the Broncos yesterday. I think he was single-handedly the reason why they lost that game. If he would have made those catches, Chad, some of which were routine. I mean, if you watch the replay it were just going right through his hands. I did notice, though, and I want to tweet about this. If you see the, I believe it's the end zone one that he dropped, he jumps right before. He doesn't have to jump. What that signaled to me, it's all, like you said yesterday, all up here. It's all mental for him. There's nothing physically wrong with Jerry Judy, but when you see receiver jump before he has to, that's a sign of jitters. That's a sign of a young player not really knowing what to do in that situation, and that could be coached out of him and taught out of him. And fortunately, he has a great position coach in Zach Azani. I'm not worried about Jerry Judy. He's not the B-word bust. And like I wrote in this article, he's going up against a, another tumultuous first-round receiver in Henry Ruggs, who has had his own drama this year with the offseason getting, what was he, stabbed in the thigh or whatever it was, moving stuff, and he hasn't had a lot of catches this year, opportunities. It takes time. I know Broncos fans don't like to hear the P-word, which is patience, but you have to have that word before you associate the B-word, which is bust. Like Drew Locke said, he has a lot more highlights left to come. The future is very bright, and he will be better because of yesterday. Yeah, I'm not. I'm seriously, I mean, it's it's cause for concern just seeing the, the depth of the slump that Judy's in right now. I mean, it is a little bit worrisome. But in terms of macro, big picture, I'm not worried about Jerry Judy being a bust. I mean, no. that's definitely jumping the shark. This is a dude that simply – you know, I think he's just kind of stuck in his own head. And I want to pull up here what uh, two two lines here. I'll I'll do a share screen so we can all kind of read read along, and then we got to jump to some matters of business. Uh, let me let me change this this share screen real quick and go to uh, this quote. Bear with me one second. Here's what here's what Judy said. We know what Drew said. He said, but here's Judy's interpretation. And Judy, of course, anytime he's been put in front of the media, even before his name kind of became mud. I'm talking training camp, early season. He was always very clipped, right? Very short. 
at one point following the the one game, what which game was it now that I think about? It might have been Pittsburgh, might have been the, the Patriots game. He was almost combative with media. And this is a weird situation because you're in like a virtual press conference. It's not as easy to be combative and kind of juicy, but he was. And so this time, you know, he's still very clipped, doesn't really go too far out on a limb in terms of what he says, but this is interesting. On what Drew Locke told him on the sideline, quote, Drew was just telling me it's happened to the best, so just keep your head up and just focus on the next play, close quote, on what it means that Locke closed ranks around him, had his back, kept going to him, right? Zach, you reported this today in one of your articles. Judy was targeted 15 times. That's the most a Broncos receiver has been targeted in an individual game since 2017, early in that season, and it was Emmanuel Sanders. Yep. He kept going. He kept going. Even on that final drive when they needed a play, he went back to Judy. Quote, Drew is a great teammate. He always says the right thing to keep his guys going and motivated. That's a big deal. After he told me that, I told myself, just keep pushing, keep playing. Drops will happen. It happens to some of the best. I can't just dwell on this. I've just got to find ways to fix it. Close quote. So, Zach, for those out there, and, and God bless them, and there's a lot of people I love and respect in this business from media and also in, fa- in, in the fan base who say, look, Drew Locke's not showing any signs of maturity, no signs of leadership. That's leadership on a plate. Yep. Yeah, that's, it's, it's exactly why some of us, like you and I, Chad, are more bullish on Drew Locke than some others. And it's, it's, a, it's a small... You know, you don't want Locke's leadership to come out in a negative way. And in this way, it's his number one receiver for now, kind of throwing a fit on the sideline and him being upset about not having targets. And when he gets them, he's dropping them. You like to see Locke's leadership come out when they're winning. But even in a loss, even in uh, a bad season, he's still going up to his players and, and rallying troops and being that spark. And for Jerry Judy to say that, he was at... Alabama with Nick Saban, who who preaches accountability and who preaches owning your mistakes, and he's as rigid and more so uh, than Vic Fangio ever was. He makes Vic Fangio look like club med, Nick Saban. And you know what? He came to Denver, and he's complaining and doesn't have that rock to lean on like Nick Saban. But yet, even when he's kind of going out of that what he's been taught out of that mold. He has someone to bring him back like Saban would, and that is his quarterback. And that's what you want to see from a leader in number three. Again, you wished it was better context. You wish he was catching the passes, and this wasn't even an issue. But I like how Locke resonated with him. He hit home with him. And like I, I you just saw it on the screenshot there. Every other answer that Judy gave yesterday was one or two sentences. He was asked about Locke, and it was a paragraph. It speaks volumes about the locker room. It really does, and it's it's encouraging, and it just kind of goes to show you that the internal narrative, the internal view on some of these issues, like Drew, is vastly different than the conjecture uh, conjecture and some of the criticism and external view of this team. And we're going to get to your questions. We're going to get to your super chats. We're going to get to whatever else is on your mind, and also a few talking points that came out of yesterday's post game, today's uh, availability from Vic Fangio. Here in just a second, but first, we got to tip our cap to the sponsor of tonight's live stream pod, sportsbetting.com. As you know, gambling is legal in the state of Colorado, and if you're looking to make watching your favorite sports a little more interesting, sportsbetting.com is your no-brainer destination. Here's why. Three things. Number one, you get the sharp odds. You get the low juice. They have their own in-house bookmakers. You hear us talk about this a lot. That means they're not third-party provider of odds. They manufacture them themselves. That results in reduced juice, 
better prices. Two, hassle-free bonuses that you can roll over after one time. And then three, 24-7 live customer support. And it's always a person, a real person in the United States. But the kicker is this. Right now, after you make your first deposit, sportsbetting.com will match it up to 750 bucks. So that's $750 in free bet credits. That's real money at sportsbetting.com. Plus right now you got the NBA set to tip off. Also get $25 in free bet credits for the NBA. So head on over to sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle. That's sportsbetting.com slash mile high huddle and capitalize on that $750 in free bet credits and start 2021 off on the right foot. All right, a couple quick other things we'll uh, grab and then dive right back into the content and the conversation. Follow the podcast on Twitter, at HuddleUpPod. Follow the main account, at MileHighHuddle, which I do not have in sequence here, so give me a second. At MileHighHuddle, pretty easy. While you're at it, follow my partner. Oh, and I just I do this every time, Zach. I set up and record with Kim Becker, and I forget to put the display names back on every single time. But as you can see, my partner in crime, <clears throat> Zach Kelberman, on Twitter, Kelberman NFL, myself at Chad and Jensen. If you want to connect, it's another way to keep the combo going. Also, gentle reminder to check out the merch store. Get a hat, get a t-shirt, get a mug, get a hoodie, little something for everybody. It's another way to support what we're doing here. Also, shout out to our Facebook supporters. Our community, Zach, continues to grow on Facebook at an exponential rate. We are closing in on 100,000 followers in our community on Facebook. We just kicked off, though, this official supporter thing. And up to this point, it's kind of been just people showing out, trying to support, offering financial support to MHH. But starting in January, that financial support is going to come with some significant, and when I say significant, perks, I mean it. And uh, we're going to roll that out the first week of January. Myself, Zach, some of the other pod hosts, Kim Becker, it's going to be great. So if you want to support what we're doing here on Facebook, you just click the big blue button on our page. You're in like Flynn. And if you're not in a position to do those three things or those things, these three things you can do, everyone listen, subscribe, like this video. And if Zach and I are doing a good job, share it out there, help us continue to grow and reach new like-minded Broncos fans just like you. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. At Golden Harvest, our best skill is knowing how to listen. From our Gold Series soybean and game-changing corn portfolios to our expert insights housed in the Illuminate digital agronomy platform, everything we offer is an answer to what we've heard from you. This is how we listen. Copyright 2021 Syngenta. The trademarks or service marks used herein are the property of a Syngenta Group company. All other trademarks are the property of their respective owners. Another week, another Broncos loss, but this time to the Chargers. There's always something, though, to help brighten your week after such a tough loss, and that's Coors Hard Seltzer, rooted in Coors' long history of sustainability as a brand inspired by a generation that wants to do good in the world with a mission to restore America's rivers. Gang, never before has it been so easy to make a difference in the world and volunteer 
Whatever you're doing, by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer, you're volunteering because our waterways, gang, they are at risk. 80% of America's rivers are drying up, but through a partnership with Change the Course, Coors Hard Seltzer is helping to protect and restore America's rivers. The way it works, each 12-pack of Coors Hard Seltzer restores 500 gallons of fresh water to U.S. rivers and the communities that depend on them. And the results, 1 billion gallons of water restored to 16 river basins across the U.S., including the Colorado River, and that's just year one. Four refreshing flavors, gang. One cool cause. Enjoy naturally flavored black cherry, mango, lemon, lime, and grapefruit. The specs are in. Coors Hard Seltzer is 4.5% ABV and only 90 calories, Zach. Ooh, Chad, what a tough loss today's game was, but the one constant, the one thing that makes me happy throughout this entire season has been the Coors Hard Seltzer. Today, I had my black cherry with me, but it's been I've been changing that up as I've gone along every week. And going forward into the offseason, Coors Hard Seltzer is my drink of choice. So, gang, you heard it here. Make a difference. Join the world's easiest volunteer program by simply cracking open a can of Coors Hard Seltzer. You can volunteer to restore America's rivers. You buy Coors Hard Seltzer, you help restore 500 gallons of water into America's rivers. So visit CoorsSeltzer.com to find a Coors Hard Seltzer near you. That's CoorsSeltzer.com. For every 12-pack sold through 831-2021, Coors will purchase services from Change the Course to restore 500 gallons of fresh river water. Details at CoorsSeltzer.com. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Fort Worth, Texas. Everyone's uh, noticing the light. Chad looks crisper. Indeed, this is a, a new light setup. If you were to see, I'll show you this. Uh, the previous LED light I used was like about that big, and it was right in front of me, right right in front of my computer. Yes. The one I got now, it's almost like surround that I, my wife got me for Christmas, so it's much better. It's something I've been needing. I've been putting off and procrastinating for a long time. She took care of it. That's why you got to marry up, gang. Kenneth Booker, jumping in. Appreciate you, my friend. Good to see you. He says, was Judy... Uh, was Judy playing against himself on fantasy, Zach? <laughs> <laughs> he might have had some stake in the game. He might have used sportsbetting.com slash. <laughs> That's right. uh, Tommy El Greco up there, north of the 49th parallel. Good to see you, my friend. Two superstars right off the bat. Tom says, Judy was caught for speeding. Charges were dropped. <laughs> LMAO, indeed. Appreciate it. It's that, like the Tom. new Juwan James meme. It was Garrett Bowles, and it was Juwan James, and now it's uh, Jerry Judy. There's always one. David, appreciate those stars, my friend. Thank you. If you have any questions, John will keep an eye out for you in the stream, and we'll get you there. Let's take a question from uh, Savage Boy over on Twitch. We're trying to um, you know, give more attention to our, our Twitch following. Savage Boy Kev over there, he says, could we get a trade of Patrick? Uh, could we trade, I guess, trade Patrick and a couple of picks for T.Y. Hilton? Your answer is that. Why? I mean, he's he's Cortland Sutton light. I mean, he still has way more of a ceiling than T.Y. Uh, Hilton does. And if you want T.Y. Hilton for his game-breaking speed or whatever's left of that, you have that in K.J. Hamler and Jerry Judy, and you're getting Cortland Sutton back next year. So I would pay T.P. before I consider trading T.P. Um, John, do you have based Gase and Chase Wellner? Um, here's a question, though, from David, who's given us some stars over there on Facebook. Thanks, my friend. He says, do you think they will go with uh, go QB with the first pick in the draft? I highly doubt it, but I did see that on Facebook. Look, one of the fun things about what's going to start this time next week, all right, is the speculation of the offseason. 
and we'll know a little bit more kind of what Elway's thinking uh, when the when the season ends and he has his end of season press conference. But I think what fans are going to hear from Elway is that look, Drew was up, he was down, but what we've seen overall encourages us that we're on the right track with Drew. That he just needs more time on task. We're going to give him a full offseason. You're going to get all those talking points, Zach. And I think the idea of taking a quarterback in the first round is going to go bye-bye pretty quickly. But then again, hey, I've been wrong before. I don't think the Broncos are going quarterback in the first round, but we'll see. Well, let's look at it realistically. The Broncos have three options. They can go into next year with the current setup pretty much lock. You know, you can bring back Driscoll. You can have Brett Rippon. Or you can bring in a veteran and have Locke. Or you can bring back Locke and have a rookie with him. I think it's door number three. I know you think it's door number two with a veteran. Regardless, though, I don't see a quarterback in the first round. This question is always prefaced by me saying who's on the board when they go on the clock. Is if a quarterback falls, if Trey Lance falls or Zach Wilson falls to them, wherever they end up picking, they have a conversation to think about. But if they're dead set on Locke, you got to go tackle, inside linebacker, cornerback, maybe safety. you got to address other areas on the roster. If they go the young route, I see it in the second or third round. I do not see a first-round quarterback. Nelson, your boy Matt, you tell him to reach out to Chad and Zach. We'll uh, we'll give him some props. We'll, we'd love to hear from him. That's what we're talking about, word of mouth, dude. Nelson saying, hey, I'm glad I caught this pod. My buddy turned me on to you guys. That's what we want to hear. That's what we want to see. Good to have you, Nelson. And uh, tip, we tip our cap to Matt. Uh, Based Gase, good to see you, my brother. Bonafide superstar. He says, if we want to play comparisons like we do with Locke, Devontae Adams had drop issues early on in his career. Jerry isn't a bust. Zach Azani, the wide receivers coach, will fix him in 2021. That's a really good comparison in terms of, you know, giving you some some a real example of a, of a relatively high-drafted wide receiver, had some struggles, bounced back in a big, bad way. There's a billion of those examples as well, but I think on yesterday's show, one was brought up to us that was pretty uh, relevant to Denver's interest, and that's Noah Fant. And in his first year, Noah Fant had the dropsies. Noah Fant wasn't being a secure ball catcher, and he improved in year two, and now he looks like he has Pro Bowl upside. I have no doubt that Izani is the one to, to not even to fix Sherry Judy, just to coach this negative mental miscue out of him. And once that happens, his physical talent will take over his route running, and he will be much, much better in 21. Mark my words. I don't know who Facebook user is, but let me give you a tip. If you're on Facebook and you put in a question and then we go to answer it and it just shows Facebook user, that's because you didn't give StreamYard permission to show your your profile. So what you do is at the top of the stream, right under where you see the video box, there's some information telling you what we're going to be talking about today, a few links. One of them is how to give that permission. So next time your name shows up in the stream. So whoever you are, thanks for the question. We'll take it, though. Says, good evening, priests. Uh, so, where do you think we go from here? If Zach Wilson falls into our laps, the BYU quarterback, do you take him, Zach? I think, well, I mean, a, a lot of this also is determined by what Elway and Matt Russell think of Zach Wilson, the quarterback, and we won't know that until the pre draft process plays out. And they always tip their hand with the combine visits, and then they have personal interviews and, you know, exclusive, interv- uh, exclusive uh, meetings and stuff like that. Again, though, it's what Elway wants to do, and I'm less inclined to believe he wants to blow it all up and give up on Drew Locke and have a first-round quarterback take over next year. It depends on how much they like him. I happen to think Zach Wilson is the QB2 in this draft class, so if he falls to, let's say, 11-12, I might think about it, but like I mentioned, they have other holes throughout the roster. They can be better served taking a cornerback or an inside linebacker, maybe getting a quarterback later in the draft. I like Zach Wilson. If you didn't have Drew, I'd say go – see what you can do to get Wilson. But yeah. 
in my opinion, they're actually pretty similar quarterbacks. Now, I haven't studied a ton of film on Wilson quite yet. Hope to get to that when the season finally ends, but I don't really see it as a realistic option at this point. We'll see what Elway says, though. Next Monday, literally a week from today, you'll, we'll get the end-of-season presser from Elway. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Uh, Caleb says, hey, man, if Jerry single-handedly is the reason we lost, then I'll buy the guy dinner on me. Zach said almost single-handedly. But let me put some context to that, okay? If Jerry Judy catches the touchdown, reshapes the entire flow of that game. If Jerry Judy catches the seam on the final possession that ended in lock, he even won up for a Hail Mary, that's a field goal. You're one more throw away from a from an easy, right. I, I should say, average field goal try for Brandon McManus. You're probably tying the game going to overtime. So did he single-handedly lose the game? Like, you know, there was a lot of factors. Drew's interception early, the defense allowing Justin uh, Herbert to go down the field on his final possession and score that field goal after the Broncos tied it up. You can point the fingers in a lot of uh, directions, but Jerry Judy, Zach, he shares in terms of the point of attack, the big key moments as the game went along that resulted in the Broncos getting that 10th loss of the season. You know, I had an argument all planned out for why Jerry Judy single-handedly did cost the Broncos the game, but I dropped it. Just wanted to put that out there. No, listen, he dropped at least five balls. If Drew Locke would have thrown five interceptions, would would you say he single-handedly lost the game? If Melvin Gordon fumbled five times, would you say he single-handedly lost the game? So it's a team sport for sure. And just like it all wasn't on Drew Locke when they lost, this wasn't all on Jerry Judy, but he literally took points off the board when he dropped that touchdown, and like you mentioned, dropped that long seam pass, would have set up a McManus field goal, would have tied the game. You never know what could happen from there. When one or two drops, you're not the GOAT. When you drop five, six, seven balls, you are the GOAT, and it's indisputable. Uh, Big E brings up a really good point. I'd love to see this. He says, Drew Locke and Jerry Judy need to go out and do what Peyton Manning and Marvin Harrison used to do every time one of them dropped the ball, uh, or man, in every th- drop the ball, every throw they would do 100 times in a row. I mean, that might be, uh, I guess, you know, hey, man, that was a championship work ethic. It's It might seem extreme, but look, Peyton Manning and, and Marvin Harrison, 
Um, probably one of the, if not the top QB wide receiver combo of all time. So there are some lessons to be learned there. But either way, Zach, Drew Locke, Jerry Judy, I think they have the, 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 the bro chemistry. I do think that they're friends, and I do think they have mutual respect. But the p- chemistry as players, that's just not there yet. So that's got to be one of each of them. If, if Drew does get tapped to be the guy next year, that's got to be one of the top priorities of the offseason. Well, I mean, aside from Marvin Harrison shooting someone, wherever he did, he was a, also a way more mature guy at that stage of his career. So it's really not fair comparing Marvin Harrison and Jerry Judy. I understand it'd be like more Reggie Wayne and Peyton Manning than Jerry Judy and Drew Locke. But listen, they need time together. They didn't have an offseason. They didn't have a preseason. And again, Jerry Judy wasn't supposed to be the guy. He was supposed to have Cortland Sutton to lean on and take the pressure off of him as a number one guy. This will all get evened out. Winning cures all, and I think next year, as Chad does as well, the Broncos will be much better, better quarterbacking, better coaching, and better wide receiver play because they'll have Cortland Sutton back in the fold. Chase Wellner, good to see you, a longtime listener, superstar in this community. He says, not making excuses for Jerry, but is there something to him adjusting from Tua to Drew? Tua being lefty, Drew throwing right, and with more velocity. You know, I think maybe early there might have been some issues catching balls that spin uh, with the, you know, so I guess when it, when it's a right hand, it spins counterclockwise. If it's left, it's spinning the other way. So um, maybe there's something to that, but I think that probably got ironed out, Chase, to be frank with you, pretty early in, in training yeah. camp. Yeah, I mean, catching a football is catching a football. If you watch what DeAndre Hopkins does on a daily or a weekly basis, you'd be amazed. It's His job is to catch it, and no matter who's throwing it, no matter the spin, right-handed, left-handed, you, you can't drop six passes. You can't do it. Kenneth Booker jumping in again. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, this season is a wake-up call for Judy. He'll work his butt off this offseason and come back better than ever next year. I am inclined to agree with you that you're going to – it won't be too long from now that people will look back on this and go, man, remember that? Jerry Judy was known for the drops, and now he's you know one of the top playmakers in the league. That's going to happen. And one of the things that will help him, we've talked about getting the chemistry with Drew, but just quarterback consistency. You know, Not every pass that, that Drew – I mean, if you look at it, Zach, it's pretty ugly. Um, is it 91 targets to 41 receptions? I want to look at this. Real quick, but the 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 catch to target ratio for Jerry Judy is just abysmal, and I think a big part of that is he's really you know I don't mean to take take onus off of him or take any of the accountability off of Judy, but he has dealt with quarterback inconsistency, and I don't just mean going from from Drew to Jeff Driscoll to Brett Rippon and then back to Drew, but I mean even since Drew returned in Week Six, Zach. You know, you've seen the ups and the downs. You've seen the flashes, and then you've seen the, the depredations from Drew. So as Drew continues to develop, what I'm getting at, uh, you'll see Jer- Jer- that benefit Jerry Judy in a lot of ways too. And he also has an offensive coordinator who doesn't seem to know how to utilize the weapons that he has. I mean, one week it's Noah Fant, the next week it's K.J. Hamler, the next week it's Jerry Judy. If he gets that consistency down, we love that word around here, consistency, from his quarterback in lock and his coaching staff and Pat Shermer, I think he has a better season and he doesn't drop as many passes because he'd be in more of a rhythm. He'd have more confidence with which to work. Next year, though, I don't think this is a bold take. I'm going to say it right now. If the quarterbacking is even average or just consistent, again, reliable, I think Jerry Judy is a thousand yard receiver next season. I think I mean, look, him sorry, yeah, go finish your thought. I didn't I thought you were done. I, I was I was just gonna say I think if all things being equal, if they have good quarterback play, they have three thousand yard receivers next year, it's Sutton, Noah Fant, and Jerry Judy. 
How awesome would that be? Now, look here. This is what I was talking about. The target. Now, I was going off a of memory from going into week 16, but this is coming out of week 16. You got 106 targets for Jerry Judy. That's enormous. I think, I think uh, for most wide receivers, if you get targeted 106 times, you're probably somewhere around the low 70s, high 60s yeah, on reception. For sure. He's chilling at 47 for the year, 716 yards. So, you know, that's that's bad. And I think the television broadcast on Sunday, Zach, did a pretty good job of illustrating his poor target to to catch ratio. Something that, look, you know, he's got to take accountability and responsibility for that. Oh, yeah. and, 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 you know, resolve to fix it. I'd be interested, though, like what's C.D. Lambs or Justin Jefferson, like what's their t- – just as a comparison to Jerry Judy, yeah. that does seem really low. I mean, yeah, that's that's a lot of targets for a guy complaining for more. Yeah, let me take let me take a quick look here. I'll pull up C.D., and then we'll pull up Justin Jefferson. We'll, we'll follow along here. Bear with me one second, gang. I got the tab ready to roll. There's C.D. C.D. Lamb, for what it's worth, and you guys can remember this, this was the guy I wanted, and the Broncos could have taken him. But they wanted Judy. So he's, he's here's here's what I mean. 104 targets. Uh, what was Judy? 106. Yeah, 106. 69 receptions. That's about where nice. you would expect it to be. So catch percentage over here, 66.3. For Judy, it's 44.3. Horrendous. Horrendous. Who else did you say, Jefferson? Yeah. Let's just take a look since he made the Pro Bowl, right? Let me let me scroll back out real quick. Let's by the way, pro football reference. God bless him. Uh Jefferson. Let's grab him real quick. All right, so he's chilling at um, 113. Look at that catch. 113 targets, 79 receptions. His catch percentage, 70%. Wow. So that's about where, you know, the, the truly, you know, the good the good wideouts in this league, that's, that's about where you need to be. Yeah, you know, I have to eat some crow on Jefferson as well. I didn't think he would match up with the big three receivers, and he's been just dynamite, even with Kirk Cousins over there in Minnesota. I mean, the guy is just phenomenal. Absolutely. All right, let's – I want to turn the page just for a second from all the Judy talk, and I want to go to something Vic Fangio had to say today. Let me let me pull it up. And, John, I don't know if we have another super that we can get queued up while I'm I'm pulling this up. We can get – we can get Zach on it because I am at <laughs> Kirk Cousins is good. Yeah. <laughs> at least he's a veteran. That's what you can say. And that's probably benefited Jefferson in terms yep. of we talked about that before or, you know, up and down drew quarterback consistency. He's at least had that, even though Kirk Cousins is not that next level guy. He's also had a number one guy next to him and Adam Thielen. He's had a veteran to lean on. And who's, who is uh, Judy had to lean on a fellow rookie in KJ Hamler. Mm-hmm. Let me see here. Uh, I think I found what I was looking for on Drew. So in the meantime, let's grab Dave here. Good to see you, Dave. Definitely has become a super chat superstar here at MHH. We really appreciate you, my friends. 2021 says, Dave, Sutton, Judy, Hamler equals three amigos, 2.0. You know, the Broncos have had some pretty good 2.0 versions of the three amigos. Like, you know, you look back at, at Thomas, Welker and uh, Decker. That was a that was a I think probably the first three amigos 2.0. So to me this would be three amigos 3.0. But your point remains very valid, Dave. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site, out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500. Or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at WoodhouseBuickGMC.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC. We are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. And I saw someone in the comments, I believe it was Brian, who said, you know, it's not a 20-game season, so don't think that three guys can get you 1,000 yards. How is that so unbelievable? You know, Herbert is going to throw for over – he actually he's over 4,000 right now. So that's 3,000 yards with three guys. Then you pepper in the the KJ Hamlers and the running backs. To get to 4,000 with 3,000-yard guys is not that out of the – the realm of possibility. I think it could happen next year. Yeah, it's not as common. You see 2,000-yard receivers here and there, and even the Broncos had 2,000-yard guys in 2016 with with Simeon, believe it or not. Both DT and Sanders got over a 1,000, and you saw it each and every year Peyton was here. Well, maybe not 2015 now that I think about it, but nevertheless, three, in the way the passing uh, game, the proliferation of the passing game, it's not outside. Uh, Here's what uh, Fangio said. The, the question was kind of posed to him about Drew's accuracy versus the Chargers, and then he ended up dropping a nugget here that's worth everyone's um, attention. He said, quote, I thought he made a lot of good throws. Obviously, his numbers would be better if we'd caught a few of them. I thought he made a lot of good throws. I thought there was some throws that could have been a little more accurate, but I haven't lost my enthusiasm for Drew at all. I think he can be a good quarterback in this league. He's shown flashes of it. And he's shown periods and stretches of it. We just have to become more consistent. There it is. Your your thoughts on that, Zach? It's it's honestly mirrors what we've been saying on this podcast for months now, if not over a year when Locke made his debut last year. I mean, he's shown flashes of I would stop short of brilliance, but of, of being a potential franchise guy. You saw it against the Chargers in the first game, Miami, the Patriots game, if those catches were catches. And like he even said, he has to get some help out from his receivers because his stat line would have looked a lot better yesterday if Jerry Judy would have just done his job as a wide receiver and the result would have been different. The touchdown that he dropped was literally the difference in the ball game. So when he gets that help out and he settles down as a quarterback, you will see him become more consistent. And when he's more consistent, he can be a franchise guy. It's all these dominoes that have to fall. But his supporting cast around Drew Locke, the receivers, the running backs, the offensive line, and the coaching – that has to line up too. Caleb on YouTube, he says, so if we're keeping Locke and Fangio, what do you guys expect might be different in the coaching staff next year? All right, Zach, so if you're betting on it, if you're telling 
a throng of thousands of Broncos fans who mm. listen to this podcast every single day. What do you expect to see change, if anything, with the coaching staff in 2021? I will bet – I'm going to just say this to hedge my own bet. I'm gonna, I will bet $100 right now to anyone's favorite charity if Tom McMahon is not fired as, as the special teams coordinator of the Broncos this offseason. I think if there's one pink slip that has to be issued, it is McMahon. And like we mentioned yesterday, there's always a scapegoat. Every last year was Scangarello. The year before that, it was Vance Joseph. There's this, there's a system. It goes from assistants to coordinators and then to finally the head coach and maybe the GM. So McMahon will be the scapegoat this year. I think Pat Shermer stays. Donatel is obviously staying and the rest is pretty much unchanged. But McMahon, bye bye. The, I agree. And I think the only wild card is whether or not the Broncos make a decision to do something different at offensive coordinator. But I would be stunned if they do. I really would. I think that. If this had been a regular offseason where Pat Shermer had all the reps, all the preseason, a traditional training camp, and you still got these results, I'd be a lot less um, bullish on the idea of him coming back this year in terms of the way the Broncos are viewing it. But I think they're, they're, they view the situation with Shermer very similar to the, to the way they view it with Fangio, which is this is a, this is a mulligan season. Yeah, and they have to take it everything into consideration that maybe the reps lost, maybe that impacted Locke and Shermer, maybe that they need another year together. I think the continuity aspect, they keep referencing it, Chad. No matter who it is in the organization, Elway, Vic Fangio, you can tell consistency. And this is something that Mike Kliss reported when it was uh, reported that Vic Fangio was staying. He mentioned continuity among the coaching staff, and that extends to the quarterback as well. So I'm with you. I'd be really surprised if Shermer's gone. George Fox on Facebook. Good to see you, my friend. Thank you for the question. Thank you for being with us tonight. He says, do you think it's time to play Brett Rippon for the last game and save our players from injury that might happen, plus it might help our draft position? Zach, is there any way on God's green earth you're going to see Brett Rippon on on Sunday? Uh, Locke gets hurt. That's the only way he's going to enter the game. And and saving them from injury, it's the last game of the year. They have eight months off coming up. They don't have to play a football game. So I'm throwing everyone out there. It's evaluation purposes, and evaluation starts with the quarterback. You still have to know, once again, what you have in lock. And these are precious, precious reps for lock being a quarterback with the first string and going through another NFL game. You don't want you, you don't care about Brett Rippon when it's in comparison to someone like Drew Locke. All right, let me just take a quick look here, John. I'll tell you where I'm at in the timeline. So I'm I'm sitting here at 6.45 on the stream, just FYI. And what I see on the Superstars, the last one is Based Gaze. So let's get that second one from Based Gaze if you've, if you've got it. Appreciate you, Based Gaze, with the, with the Adam Gaze meth gaze, I guess, right? The meth eyes. Bringing in competition defeats the purpose of evaluating luck. Why take away reps as well? Got to go all in on lock or move on. You can't go both ways. And this is an opinion that I agree with to a point. For example, I think the Broncos will and should tinker with the quarterback position, keeping Drew as the starter, but bringing in a more proven fail-safe. Let's face it. Jeff Driscoll was not a fail-safe, right? He was like – he, he was not a guy that you could – they liked his upside, obviously. I think we know this. This was something Eric Trickle reported way back. What was it, 2016 that, that um, Driscoll entered the NFL? Either way, I can't remember the exact year, but the Broncos liked him. And so they had a chance to bring him in, and they thought maybe they could, you know, develop him a little bit. And, you know, if, what's, gonna, what's the worst that could happen? Drew's going to be okay. That was a fluke with the thumb. And 
they ended up paying a big price for it. This time around, Zach, they need to bring in a proven guy like a, a Fitzpatrick, all right, someone like that to do three things, serve as the, you know, just being just good enough to push lock, but not necessarily as, as he talked about base case, threaten him, be that mentor, right? And then really be the failsafe, be a guy that you could actually count on to win games if Drew did go down or, you know, football gods forbid, Drew doesn't turn the corner in year three and you realize this isn't going to work out. You got a guy that you can sit Drew down and say, all right, let's go win some games with some a veteran who is competent. I agree with base case, and this is kind of why I pushed for the Broncos to bring in a Jeff Driscoll in the first place. Like you mentioned, not to have someone that can threaten lock status, either on the field or emotionally, psychologically, as the understood quarterback for the season. You want to have a better option. I agree with that. Whether that's a rookie or a veteran, I don't know who that's going to be. Um, I could see, again, a situation playing out where Lock gets dibs on the starting job next year, but you have someone waiting in the wings. Whether that's a rookie quarterback or whether that's someone like Fitzpatrick or Andy Dalton, I, I think you will see an upgraded quarterback room, but it's Lock going into next year who has, I think, the first shot at being the guy for 21 as well. By the way, for what it's worth, the Red Rifle, I mean, the Cowboys put up 37 points. Now, granted, it was the Eagles. But, you know, he moved the offense. And, and of course, that offensive coordinator, uh, I just had a, a space, Zach. The former Kellen boy, Moore. Thank you. Uh, Kellen Moore, he's going to be a hot ticket. Even though the Cowboys are not a, a real factor this year, even though they could still win the, the NFC East, yeah. as, as you detailed to me last night, Zach, it's unbelievable. They could yeah. win it at 7-9. and nine. But, nevertheless, you know, he could end up being a, a, a young, hey, we want to find the next Sean McVay, and it could end up being a guy like Kellen Moore where teams come out of the woodwork. It wouldn't surprise me, but I'm digressing here. My point is Andy Dalton showed that you give him a decent scheme, you give him some good coaching, and he can go out there and put some points up, even though it's, you know, it is the Eagles. Yeah, you know what? The thing about uh, Andy Dalton is they're, they are, they're on a three-game winning streak right now because of him. I mean, he's playing great ball. He has that offense humming. They had 200-yard receivers yesterday and a 100-yard running back, and that was due to having someone under center uh, with Andy Dalton's prowess. And what's great about him or Fitzpatrick, they're okay with being backups. Some guys like Joe Flacco do not want to be behind a young quarterback. They want to be the understood guy, whereas Fitzpatrick is okay being even the late-game guy. He's okay coming in for the fourth quarter, winning a game, and then going back to being the backup. Andy Dalton is as well. I would not mind having them with the understanding they're going to be the backup going into the season. It might not end that way, but it's Locke's team to start. I'm going to grab this from Willie. But, John, just so you know, the stream jumped. I need Kenneth again, burn the guitarist, couple from Dave Vega, and then I got Willie here and his super chat. Willie, though, he has two points I want to grab. He says, 104.3, the fan, made a good point about Pat Shermer with Drew Locke. And uh, Jones, Daniel Jones in New York the last two years. Pat Shermer, the point, cannot develop a young guy. And then his super chat, thank you, Willie, is uh, Judy is the only number one of those three. So the point, though, and thank you for the super chat, my friend. Uh, the point that Shermer can't develop a young quarterback I think that's a little, I don't know, you might disagree with me on this, Zach, but I think it's a little hot takey because, you know, look, if you look at the stats that Daniel Jones produced as a rookie, it didn't translate to to team wins for the Giants, but 24 touchdowns. I mean, he had a couple of games with four touchdown passes. Daniel Jones, okay? Then you look, you go back a little further, and granted, in Minnesota, Case Keenum was more of a journeyman by the time he got under uh, Pat Shermer's wing, but 
you know, he made he made Case Keenum an NFC championship caliber quarterback. Go back a little further to the one Pro Bowl season that Nick Foles had as an Eagle, 2013. That was a, his second year, and that was under Pat Shermer. So it's not that he can't. It's is he the right fit for Drew Locke? And that at this point, Zach, is very questionable. That's the good way to put it. And also about Jerry Judy being the only number one, I would disagree. I think as the season went on, it's clear that Jefferson is a number one in Minnesota. If that's what he was saying with that comment, you know, he's also a number one receiver and he's also putting up the stats, not dropping passes. But again, he has that veteran guy. The thing with Pat Shermer, you know, you wonder whether he's really stuck in the past, whether he's stuck with the Nick Foles or the Case Keenums, and he's trying to make Drew Locke into that. And Drew Locke is not a Case Keenum. Drew Locke isn't really even a Nick Foles. He's a little more mobile. He has a different edge to him. So can it be done? Theoretically, yes. But we saw more results come out immediately, Chad, with Scangarello last year in a shorter amount of time than we've seen through 16 games or whatever it is, 14, 13 games with Drew Locke as the Broncos quarterback this year. Well said. Burn the guitarist again. This two days in a row. It's good to see you. We appreciate the support. If you're on uh, Twitter, make sure you connect with Zach and I because we like to shout out the superstars after every show. I searched for you on Twitter last night after the the gut reaction. Couldn't find anything, so reach out if you're on Twitter. He says, I feel like we have enough holes on our roster that we should take best player available outside of wide receiver. I do too, and especially Zach, if it's you're going with Drew as your guy in 2021 – you know, but what if that best player, your highest ranked guy, when you go on the clock, ends up being a quarterback? You know, right. then you do have a philosophical kind of fork in the road. Uh, at that point, I would still take the next put the next position available, whatever that second guy is. You know, that's ranked. Right. What if it's an edge guy, or could, when you have two edge guys, or what if it's a defensive tackle when you just paid Shelby Harris, or what if it's a tight end when you have Noah Fan? I understand the strategy, but the best the BPA targets they have to be kind of confined to a few positions, and that would be the secondary, the offensive line, and you know maybe depending on how they feel a quarterback, but uh, qu- cornerback, inside linebacker, those are the, the the key positions to watch in the first round. Hey Vega, jumping in again. Good to see you, my brother. Appreciate you. There's a couple times already tonight, so thanks, my my friend. It means a lot to us. He says Parsons or Owusu. I can I can never pronounce this name correctly. Owusu Koromo. I can't I can never pronounce. Okay, it. that's what we're gonna call him from now on. We'll call him okay. Uh, in the first, Mac Jones in the second. Hey man, we're all about on this podcast. Micah Parsons in the first round, if you can get him. You know the only other top option I would I would pine for for the Denver Broncos would be one of the top corners but yep. either one of those options would be just home run it's exactly what the Broncos need yes they need that dynamic inside uh, off ball linebacker they obviously need a cornerback so whether it's Farley whether it's Parsons in round one I'm a happy boy uh, Michael on Facebook appreciate the question and you being with us what do you think about the Dwayne Haskins release so if anyone missed it today Breaking news from Ian Rappaport, the Washington football team cut bait with their first round pick two years removed. I mean, not even two years, one year removed, one and a half year, whatever, however you want to quantify it. Let me tell you my take, Zach, then I want to serve this over to you. Yep. When you and I were at the Combine in 2019, we got a real up-close look at that entire quarterback class, including Drew, including Brett Rippon. It was really cool to – have that insight and kind of see them going through that, that their NFL prospect draft process. I came out of it extremely 
down on Dwayne Haskins. And I never was high on Haskins, even before that. So maybe you could argue that there was some confirmation bias involved in my evaluation. But let me tell you two things that rub me wrong about Haskins. Number one, just his overall kind of demeanor at the podium. Didn't love it. Number two, and this is an anecdote. I think I've shared it on the podcast before, Zach. I don't recall. But um, when I was flying back home, all right, I'm chilling at the airport at my gate. You know, there's probably 25, 30 minutes till you were boarding the plane. And then all of a sudden, and, you know, by this point, if, you're, if you've been at the Combine all week, you're seeing famous athletes left and right, famous coaches all over the place. It's, it's nothing. But I'm sitting there at, my, at the gate, and then all of a sudden I hear this kind of bustle. All right. And I, I look back like this and here comes Dwayne Haskins with one or two other Ohio state dudes. I forget which two now off the top of my head, but coming down for the gate and they're, they're surrounded by a small handful of kids. I don't want when I say fans, I don't just mean like, you know, 40 year old dudes, big Ohio state alums wanting the signature of Dwayne Haskins. I mean like kids, you know, 11, 10, 11, 12, few teenagers, probably seven or eight of them, all right, following behind him. Hey, Dwayne, hey, Dwayne, can we get a signature? All right, cut two. He ends up walking right behind me to my gate. I'm like, oh, this dude's jumping on on the same plane that I'm going to be on. He gets there real quick. He says, you know, checks in briefly. Hey, this is my flight. Here's my ticket, blah, blah, blah. All right, cool. And then the kids are just waiting patiently, right? And this whole time they've been trying to, you know, convince him to sign, and he's basically just ignored them. Then he turns around finally and actually acknowledges them, Got nothing to do for 25 minutes, dude. Denies them. Says no. Now, look, as an athlete, as, a, as any, anyone who, um, you know, if you, famous people, all right, you, you're not obligated to constantly give your free time or your time away from whatever your, you know, your, your, your profession is to fans constantly. But in that situation, you're there for the fans. You're, it's a fan event, right? What does it hurt to take? It may be 30 seconds tops, Zach, to go through seven, eight of those Quickly signed Dwayne Haskins. Good to see you guys. I'm going to go sit down, jump on my iPhone. I It really was, was sad, to be honest with you. I mean, you mentioned the two things that threw you off. Number three for me was Ohio State quarterbacks, and that's mm-hmm. exactly why Fields kind of scares me as well. Yep. It's, it's just that program. It's that culture. I don't want to you know name any names or point fingers, but uh, it's just not conducive to NFL success at the quarterback position. I never liked Haskins either, and um, I think the release should have happened after he was busted at the strip club. And I think the only reason it didn't happen was because Alex Smith was injured. And they had mm-hmm. Taylor Heineke, I think is his name, as the backup quarterback. He looked pretty good yesterday in relief of Haskins. It's no coincidence that Heineke looked decent, and then the next chance they got, they cut Haskins. And it's very, very well-deserved, Chad. That guy had way more chances than he ever should have had. And it's sad because he really was. You know, he grew up a, a fan of the Washington football team. Like, that'd be like anyone listening to this podcast now – growing up a Broncos fan, getting drafted by the Denver Broncos. You know, it's the dream, but he just – he wasn't ready. And I think he has enough talent to be an NFL quarterback. I never liked him, to be honest with you, but he just doesn't have it between the years quite yet in terms of character, priorities, all that stuff, decision-making. Muhammad, MHH male model, jumping in with the super sticker. Really appreciate you, my brother. Good to see you. Um, another quick anecdote, Zach, on uh, Dwayne Haskins. So when we load on this plane, right, we're boarding the plane – he ends up sitting in uh, closer to the nose, right? So, and he ends up boarding in you know one or two spots before me in the groups, right? The board group one, group two, or B, A, B, whatever. So I'm on, you know, probably the third way of getting onto the plane. And as I walk down the aisle, on my right, I see Dwayne. He's sitting there, and he's right on the aisle. 
And as I walk by, he's, he's, he's looking at a, a, an iPad, right? Like this, he's got his headphones in, looking at the iPad. And as I walk by, I kind of just glance to see what he's Find your next truck at Woodhouse Buick GMC. No matter where you're heading or what tasks need tackling, there's a premium and capable GMC truck that's perfect for you. Make a statement on the job site out on the town, or wherever life leads you in the powerful and distinctive Sierra 1500, or elevate your driving experience in the adventurous and innovative canyon. Explore our inventory online at woodhousebuickgmc.com or visit our indoor showroom today. Woodhouse Buick GMC, we are professional grade. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or a girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promotes surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. What he's looking at? My dude's looking at actual all 22 film of Baker Mayfield, oddly enough. So I thought that was just an interesting anecdote. He's a big fan of Baker Mayfield. I, I got to give a shout out to, because when you mentioned the things that are wrong with Dwayne Haskins, I was thinking, oh, that sounds familiar. I got to give a shout out to Bob Morris. He had a tweet today that Paxton Lynch lasted longer with Denver than Dwayne Haskins lasted longer in Washington. I thought that was really funny by Bob. Indeed. A good point. I mean, I think the, the next closest – you know, um, facsimile of the Haskins situation is Paxton Lynch because he was actually cut. So you could point to Josh Rosen in terms of being so quickly, you know, sent away by the team that drafted him in the first round, but he was traded. They got something out of that. They didn't just cut bait. Like they did get a pick in return from the Dolphins. Uh, Dave from Georgia, good to see you, my friend. Bonafide superstar. Really appreciate you. Hope you had a great Christmas, great happy holidays. He says, these kids – had no real offseason. There were bound to be growing pains. Hopefully next year will be a little better. Do you think we go offense or defense, which his choice is defense, in the draft? Zach, as I've said it a few times now. The Broncos really went hard on offense the last, you know, three drafts, I would say, exempting, you know, take Chubb out of it at pick five in 2018. Most of those premium round picks, and when I say premium, that's rounds one, two, and three, most of them were offense and I think you you see that talent out there it's just got to come together they got to develop meanwhile you're seeing that the kind of lack of focus in the premium rounds on the defense has has really haunted them down the stretch with all these injuries they need to focus on D and think about it what's the only realistic position they would take on offense in the first round that would be quarterback I mean I think they're they're set at left tackle for sure and I think they're actually higher on on uh, Elijah Wilkinson than we all think fans and and, and media think uh, it's got to be defense. It's got to be a cornerback or an inside linebacker in round one, depending who that guy is. I think they have to go that way. Like you mentioned, they've ignored it for too long, especially inside linebacker. They can't survive on the mid-round picks and the the A.J. Johnsons of the world. It's a new era. It's a new NFL style and game right now. They, they need that three-down off-ball guy in the lineup. 
Stu Meat, good to see you, my friend. Really appreciate you. If you're on Twitter, by the way, Stu, I keep trying to find you. And obviously, there's there's no Stu Meat on Twitter. So if you are on Twitter, connect with us. We'd love to be able to keep the conversation going. Shout you out after these podcasts. He says, I get it. Jerry needs to work on his hands. But I have come to the conclusion that Pat Shermer isn't capable of developing Locke. Yeah, we have our our misgivings on that same topic, Zach. We're not sure he's the right man, but we'll both be surprised if the Broncos end up moving on from Shermer. Even if they say, look, on next Monday, a week from now, if they stand up there, Elway and Fangio, and they're like, look, we're sticking with Drew. Pat Shermer, though, they're probably going to stick with him as well, as we've already said, but I'm not sure it's the right decision. Mike Shula, you know, maybe he's a better guy in terms of young QB developer, you know, resume. So maybe you, you hang your hat on that. You hope on that. You let Pat be the X's and O's kind of where the, I'm the scheme guy and Shula, you know, you're the, you continue to do your thing and hope that he can reach Drew and, and help him get to that next level. And he does have a history of that. I mean, Cam Newton in 2015, that was his, let's see, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15. That was his fifth year. So a few more, a couple more years down the road from where Drew is now, but Shula coached, Newton to be the league MVP that year, crush every NFC team that even tried to come at the Panthers. I mean, they dominated the NFC in that playoff run. Broncos punched them in the mouth and it was a different story, but Shula's got some wherewithal there. Something that just came to me was if Elway in the front office is going to absolve, which they are, they're going to write off 2020 as a mulligan for Vic Fangio because of the injuries. I think they're going to do the same for Pat Shermer. They're going to say the injuries and the pandemic and the lack of reps, we're going to give you another year. We're going to be, have continuity and be consistent with the coaching staff. And I, I, as much as I don't like Pat Shermer and as much as I don't think he is the right guy to develop Drew Locke or any other young quarterback, I could see why they bring him back. The only thing is Fangio chat. He has to take a bigger role next year. He knows year three, it's do or die for him. He has no more mulligans left after that. It was always a three-year plan, but now he's going into year three. He can't just stand there on the sideline and leave it all in Pat Shermer's jurisdiction and Mike Shula. He has to get in there he doesn't have to be Bill Walsh, but just take a bigger hand in the game planning and maybe even some of the situational play calling with Pat Shermer. By the way, Travis, uh, we, we're sorry to hear about your grandma. Just some some thoughts, some prayers going out your way, my friend. That's not that's not fun. I lost my grandma uh, just a, just a couple months ago, so I, I'm sorry to hear that, my friend. And we hope for the best. We hope maybe you know things can turn positivity. Though prayers going your way, my friend. Yes. Um, all right, John, do we have – actually, I'm going to grab our friend Black Knight real quick on Twitch. He likes to hop between Twitch and YouTube. Big Twitcher, by the way, big streamer on the gaming side and very successful at what he's doing. He says, does Jeremy – can Fangio actually do his job as the head coach? Uh, let's see, can Fangio actually do his – I think as the head coach. And, and be involved. Okay, thank you. Can Fangio actually do his job with the expletive there as head coach and be involved in all three yes. phases instead of passing his other two responsibilities to Shermer and McMahon? Uh, if you ever do a show about roster management, please let me know. I'd love to join on that show. All right, man, we'll keep that in mind. But, uh, but yeah, that's something. That's, that's basically what Zach just addressed <laughs> now. Yeah, that was my previous point. I mean, I understand he's a defensive guy and he has a, he does a good job with the defense, but he can't just sit idly by and let his assistants call the shots. He is the head coach of the team. He's not the defensive coordinator of the team. He has, he's got to take, whether it's Shermer or another coordinator, he has to take a bigger hand in the offensive approach next season. All right. Um, 
Let me see where we're at. We're at 53, 54 minutes. All right, let me see here really quick. I know there was one from Flyfish Hunter. Good to see you. Real quick, John, then we'll, is that the same one that you have queued up? Okay. Uh, Flyfish Hunter, good to see you, my friend. We need Eclipse if you have Eclipse. Um, you're the man. All right. Flyfish Hunter says, such a disappointing year, guys. Two loser teams meet next Sunday. Who's going to come ready to play? Broncos or Raiders? Hashtag state of being. Well, it's a matter of pride, and I think you're going to see both teams play surprisingly scrappy physical football. I, it's anyone's guess who's going to win this game. We'll, we'll reveal our official picks in the Mile High Roundtable on Friday, though. Uh, you know what I said? Uh, the Chargers game was going to be a low-scoring, kind of sloppy game, and it was. I, I thought the Broncos would win, but it was still kind of the same. I think the Raiders game is going to be a shootout. And I know that sounds surprising. I can really see like a like a 40-35 final score, you know, 35-32. I think a lot of points are going to be scored. But, man, you know, I, I watched the highlights of the Raiders game from uh, uh, Saturday, I think it was. They played the Dolphins. That offense can move the ball. And Darren Waller is a beast. I mean, he is just snatching souls out there. He lines up on the outside and just goes up and gets it in double coverage. He looks like Cortland Sutton. New factor in Jacobs, and they have Henry Ruggs. It's going to be an offensive shootout, but the Raiders – uh, they're pretty tough when they're on, Chad. The offense, anyway. I mean, they dismantled the Broncos in their first matchup earlier this year. I mean, it was yeah, brutal. True. But, you know, Derek Carr, back in the saddle, went over 300 yards this week and fed his guys. And, and Jacobs, man, what a weapon he is. Yeah, Jacobs, and just the way things are – I've kind of changed my tune a little bit on drafting running backs in the first round if it's the right running back. Like, some of these guys are just – helping it they've been game changers for for their respective teams even though it's always or i should say in most cases it's short-lived i mean look at zeke for example in dallas game changer when he first gets there but eventually they hit that wall the wear and tear the tires and all that that'll eventually happen for for jacobs but he is just formidable eclipse love you bro good to see you hope you had a great christmas my friend and we hope you have a, a happy new year he says uh peace and love from philly let's go 2021 Hashtag M-H-H-U-N. Eclipse is definitely one of the OGs, been with us a long time. In fact, when we, uh, when Zach and I were, we worked for uh, CBS Sports and we had M-H-H at uh, 24-7 Sports, which is under CBS and all that. Uh, Eclipse was a guy that had just signed up for a VIP subscription, Zach, right when we ended up having to leave and, and going on to do what and connect with Sports Illustrated and do our thing. He's been with us a long time, so at least now two years. So much love to you, Troy. He is definitely an OG, isn't he, Chad? He's he's right out there next to Stu as the 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 Mount Rushmore of the Mount Rushmores. We love you, Eclipse. Thank you, uh, George. The biggest, the biggest Queensrÿch fan under the sun. Good to see you, my friend. I hope you had a great Christmas. Hope your daughter's doing okay. Hope uh, you're back on the mend and all that. Let me know how you're doing, by the way. He says, thank you, Chad, Zach, and John, for all you do. You guys are the best. 2021 will be a better year for all of us, including the Broncos. Hashtag Denver Broncos for life. Amen. Thank you, George. Love you, George. Appreciate you, my friend. Uh, Dale Rude jumping in. Dale, are you on Twitter? I always think that it's – I have your Twitter, but then it's Ren99, wherever. I don't think Ren's in the chat tonight, but Dale, reach out. Connect with us on Twitter if you're on there. He says, Shermer has shown a lack of designing a system to utilize his players' talents. Agreed, for the most part. He is improving, 
And I think more damage comes if we start over at mm. offensive coordinator. And Zach, this was the philosophy that I had. And again, thank you, Dale. Uh, for the for most of this season, I was kind of like, you know, might not be the greatest fit at this point. More time on task, give them more reps together. What do you what do you lose? Uh, what are you forsaking if you end up starting over at OC in terms of continuing to hold back the de- the potential development of Drew Locke? But I've kind of come around on that issue. I'm a little bit more open to the idea. If you have the right guy to step into it, it would have to be the right hire. You don't just fire him and go to someone else Just fire him and go to someone else. It's got to be the right, perfect fit and someone who believes in Drew. That's exactly how I feel about it. I don't believe in, in, in changing for the sake of change, but in this day and age, you can, I mentioned this yesterday, when you have to rebuild in the NFL, it's not like years ago where it takes multiple three, four years to completely turn it around and complete the rebuild. You can do it in the same season now. And I think the, the, the Cardinals exemplified that when they had Josh Rosen and the next year they drafted Kyler Murray, number one overall. It's If it's the right person, whether it's a coach or a quarterback or whoever, if it's the right guy and you have the conviction and you feel good about it, go ahead and make that change. If they can get the next Sean McVay, and of course we don't know in the moment, it's all hindsight, but let's say they have the next Sean McVay lined up or the next Joe Brady, the next Cliff Kingsbury. If it's the right guy for Locke or the right guy to develop a young quarterback, then yes, fire Shermer. If you don't have anyone lined up, keep them in year two and hope for a, a marked improvement from Pat Shermer. Tom El Greco, good to see you again. Thank you, my friend. He says, how about Cam Newton as far as being the backup, if he's willing to take a backup role? I don't know, man. I, I doubt he'd be willing to come to Denver A, B. That might be, he might still have a – even though he's struggled this year and he's been injured the last couple, I, don't, I think he might have a little too much juice, to be frank with you, still, in the locker room. Am I the only one that's, like, annoyed by him? I mean, his kind of, like, it was all cute when he was winning and he was, like, the MVP, but now with the, the hieroglyphics and the way he, he types on social media and all the different the, the styles, the outfits, it's like you don't have that t- same cachet. You really can't pull that off anymore. I don't want the headlines. I don't want the drama. I don't want Cam Newton in Denver, especially as a backup. Uh, Joseph on Facebook says, any chance K.J. Hamler ends up having a better career than Judy? Hashtag state of being. There's, there's always a chance, but um, I don't see it. I mean, he's he's a little guy. You know, Tyree Kill's a unicorn, let's face it, all right? Buffalo, you've seen them kind of find ways to use uh, Isaiah McKenzie, who has a similar size profile as KJ and Tyreek, being those speedsters and the short area burst and all that. I mean, look at KJ. Tried to make a badass football move going head first, trying to, you know, cut between two or three guys to pick up additional yardage, ended up with a concussion. KJ can't win for losing, can he? He can't, dude. And so I'm, I'm just a little bit concerned about his durability overall, but yeah. um, is it possible? Yes. Is it likely? No. Yeah, I agree with you. I mean, I, I will say though, again, if you put the right coach in place, it, it's a shame, Chad, that KJ Hamler was wasted when he was healthy this season. He is a a, a touchdown waiting to happen. He's a Deshaun Jackson type where he's a big play at any point of the field at any given time. And the Broncos ignored that. They ignored his skill set. I think Jerry Judy in, in, in the level playing field with, with stable quarterbacking and stable coaching, Jerry Judy has a better career. But KJ Hamler, I mean, you mentioned Isaiah McKenzie in Buffalo, but they have John Brown as well. He's a deep threat. He he's a, a very like what John Ross was going to be in Cincinnati. It's a very niche position, but if you nail that correctly, you can have longevity in this business. All right, we got a few more supers left, and then we got to get out of here. So, 
Uh, we crossed the one-hour mark, so let's rapid-fire these. Zach from Kenneth again. Thanks, brother. He says, what about trading back for Xavier Collins if Parsons is gone by our pick? How far back can we trade back and still get him? I don't know. I'm not sure. I'm not one, I haven't had my ear to the floor on Collins, to be frank with you. What I would say is, Kenneth, I'll, I'll copy and paste that question. Ask Nick, ask Carl, who they've been scouting the draft, keeping, a, keeping tabs on the uh, profile and the stock of each and every one of these guys entering the 2021 draft. Ask me in two weeks. Seriously, in two weeks, a question like this isn't going to be as, as left field for me. I was going to say where prospects are being ranked now on December 28th is not where they're going to be at, on April 28th, whenever the draft is next year. So it's a little too premature to say, I wouldn't trade back for the sake of trading back. If there's a cornerback on the board, if, if Parsons is not available, I go for the cornerback. But we'll see, like Chad said, ask us again in a few months. We'll have a better answer. John's telling me for what it's worth, he, he thinks he remembers Nick Kendall saying uh, something like 18 or 20. You need to be around pick 18 or 20 to land him. Uh, Bama X jumping in. Good to see you, my friend. And I just realized today on Twitter we are connected, which is good. So we'll be shouting you out after the show. He says, if the issues with Judy remain the same at the end of year two, be smarter than the Raiders were with Amari Cooper. Don't wait. Trade him while the stock is still moderately high. LOL. Perhaps. I I feel you, my friend. But I I really don't think it's going to come to that, Zach. I think Judy is – you know, he just needs to get out of this season and go get some time away from football for a minute, recenter, come back, attack it with Drew or whoever the quarterback's going to be. I think by the time we get to this point next year, I don't think fans are going to be even thinking about the, the five drop game against the Chargers. Well, I mean, you have to have a stock to have any sort of trade value. And right now, Jerry Judy has no stocks. The reason that the Raiders dumped Amari Cooper was because he was still entering his prime, but he was already proven at the NFL level. He was already a wide receiver one, and they got a first-round pick for him. Don't say these things yet, guys. Don't think these things yet. I promise you, this was an outlier-type season for Jerry Judy. And so many involved in the Broncos, he will have a much better bounce-back year in 21. Willie again. Thanks, Willie. He says, let Mike Shula call the plays on Sunday. It couldn't hurt. Yeah, I mean, the problem with that is if you're going to let Mike Shula call the plays, you've cut Shermer off at the knees and emasculated him, basically. And then what's the point of keeping Shermer? So we feel you. We'd love to see it, to be frank, Willie. We would love to see Mike Shula call the plays, but it's just very unlikely to happen in terms of practical reality. You run the risk of Mike Shula looking better than his boss, and then what do you do with Pat Shermer? You have to fire him. It just creates more dissension where you don't need any. But let me tell you, if Pat Shermer was a a decent coordinator, Mike Shula would already have input, Chad, in the play calling, or at least the game planning. So we hope that's the case. Kenneth Booker again jumping in to say, can we pay Chad Kelly to break into Shermer's house every (laughs) Sunday and unplug his alarm clock? (laughs) Then it devolves onto uh, Shula no matter what. Yeah, but the problem is Pat Shermer has a, has a Roomba in his house, and Chad Kelly, he wouldn't <laughs> yeah. go anywhere near that. His hey, man, Chad Kelly does have a proficiency for walking into people's homes in the dead of night dressed like a Disney <laughs> you know, Pixar character, so don't put anything past this cat. He's got skills. Joseph, <laughs> appreciate the super chat, my friend. We got you on Facebook. Now we got you on YouTube. You're the man. Really appreciate that. He says, our K-Jack. Kareem Jackson and Justin Simmons locked into their starting positions next year, or do we move on from one or both hashtag state of being? I think the way the Broncos end up ultimately, Zach, because K-Jack's under contract next year, but I think the way they ultimately end up approaching K-Jack's situation is contingent on how the Simmons situation resolves, which is why I think 
this time around, the Broncos are going to attack the Simmons sitch with a lot more urgency, whether they end up tagging him again or agreeing to a long-term deal. I think you're going to get that quite early in the off-season calendar so that they can then turn their attention to Kajak. I would be stunned, Zach, if Kajak comes back on the same contract that he's that he's got because he's set to make a $10 million base salary next year. And, you know, Kajak of 2019 was worth every nickel of that type of a salary. But a box safety that's, you know, fair to middling in coverage and, and getting longer in the tooth by the second, not worth that money. So uh, it really just depends. But I see one of them coming back, and his, his name is Justin Simmons. Yeah, for sure. And you know what? I think we've seen the best of Kareem Jackson as well at safety with the Broncos, and which was last season. It reminds me a lot of the downward curve that Darian Stewart went on with the Broncos. He was so good, even TJ Ward to an extent. They were so good at safety and they fell off, they fell off a cliff in, in their last couple of years. And that's what happened with Jackson this year. Good against the run, but really not good in coverage. He, he whiffs too much on tackles and he's too expensive. They can't devote $25 million, whatever it is next year to one position at safety. I think Simmons will come back on a long-term deal, not a market resetting deal. And Kareem Jackson, you don't take a pay cut. See ya. We'll get somebody else. Yeah. And I think the, the one I agree. And I think the one outlier here that could kind of be a wrinkle is that K, uh, K Jack is a, is a personal favorite of Fangio. And so I think Fangio could potentially, like let's say the Broncos were thinking the way we're thinking. And they're like, hey, K-Jack, we want to keep you around, but not at $10 million. You know, If Fangio were to try and step in and strong arm that and say, no, I need this dude, I want him back, that could be a, a game changer. But that's still a big if. Yeah, I, I don't think he would die on that hill for Kareem Jackson. You know, Manny Wise, good to see you, my friend. Longtime listener, longtime superstar. Appreciate you. Hope you had a Merry Christmas, my friend. That goes for all of you, and happy holidays. Uh, Manny says, who should run the special teams next season? I don't know. Dude, I, don't know. I don't have a Rolodex of special teams guys off the top of my head. But I'll tell you this. In a week's time, if they do end up moving on from Tom McMahon, I'll have that Rolodex ready to roll for you guys, and I'll tell you exactly who the best candidates at special teams are going to be for the Broncos at 2021. But I'd be lying to you if I told you to, I, I, to pretend to know who the, the top – up and coming special team because here's the thing you got to keep in mind whoever they hire is a guy that either just got fired or his head coach i should say got fired right or it's an underling it's an assistant on specials and like a brock olivo the way he landed here back in in 2017 so good question manny don't have an answer for you right now and i don't anyone manny you me chad anyone is better than brock olivo or tom mcmahon has been and you know what chad i'm with you i don't really know the candidates but you know who I'm not going to ask for recommendation? That's Pat McAfee. I'll do it on my own. <laughs> uh, <laughs> he so he gave us Tom McMahon, too. I mean, yeah, that was yeah. the Colts connection as well, so no more. He's cut off. <laughs> uh, Tony, good to see you, my friend. Discount Audio and Wills out in Los Angeles. Appreciate you, my friend. He says, if Fangio falls flat next year, would you like um, would you like Munchak, Mike Munchak, to take over and maybe Vic get demoted to defensive coordinator? I just don't think you'll see that happen. Um, Vic, yeah, Vic. Hey, dude, Vic Fangio in the house with us. Um, those just, you don't see that happen in the NFL nowadays. And I would be, I would be stunned. By the way, I was never high on Mike Munchak anyway. I, I talked to a few people in, uh, you know, in the biz who got me a lot closer to, to liking the idea of Munchak. You know, a few players, uh, former players of Munchak and a few guys who covered Munchak in Tennessee. But, 
I just don't know what he brings to the table aside from organizational skills and O-line acumen. But then again, you could argue, Zach, maybe that's what the team needs is they need that lockdown, ironclad organizational guide to you know, make sure everyone's doing their job, hold everyone accountable, make the right decisions and calls on game day. Well, I don't want another career assistant being my head coach. I've been going through this with Fangio. I want to replace him with a real head coach, a deserving head coach who's all three sides of the ball. But my other question was, you know, in reference to this question, has that ever happened before? A head coach stepping down to work for his successor? I don't think that's ever the case. I mean, I know coaches get fired. They come back like Mike McCoy a few years later, but that's a lateral move. I don't know if that's ever happened before. If it has... (laughs) It hasn't been in recent times. Right. I mean, if, if it did, if it has happened, and there might be a scholar, a better scholar of the NFL than myself that, that might know something that I don't, but I've, I know a lot about NFL history. Nothing's coming to mind off the top of my – I don't know. There's something bothering me about Buddy Ryan. But nevertheless, it's, the point is, remains. In modern NFL times, you just don't see it happen. Even Chet, um, real quick, even Kubiak wouldn't come back to be coordinator. He wanted to be true. head. I mean, he wouldn't take a, a a downward position. Yep. Yeah, that's true. That's a that's a good point, my friend. All right, guys, we do have to dip on out of here. Thanks to each and every one of you for uh, giving us some of your time tonight. Mile high salute to our super chat superstars, our Facebook supporters, those of you giving us stars on Facebook as well. It all adds up and makes just a huge, huge, huge difference. Trust us on that. Um, Albert, good to see you, by the way. Definitely a, a supporter. Hops on a super chat now and then. Good to see you. I hope you had a great Christmas, my friend. But we got a dip for now. Zach and I, we would love to keep the conversation going, guys. You know, we're doing this 24-7, covering your Denver Broncos. And you, we get an hour here on the stream every day. Zach and I, in a way, four days a week for us. But we're doing this constantly. So if you want to connect with us, keep the conversation going, talk about the topics, get our insights on this or that, whatever, Connect on Twitter, starting with the pod, at HuddleUpPod, and then also the main account, at MileHighHuddle on Twitter. That's where you get the breaking Broncos news and analysis. Any content, any news, any analysis is coming from that Twitter. And then our personal accounts, Zach Kelberman on Twitter, at KelbermanNFL, myself, at Chad and Jensen. Connect with us. We want to see you there. And then also, so many of you are doing and have done this. It's been great to see. But we want even more of you. We want all of you to head over to MileHighHuddle.com. Create a free account. Comment on every article. If you read a piece from myself or Zach or one of the other guys and you don't, you disagree with a take, you disagree with a premise, or you just want to get something off your chest, that's where you do it. We want to hear your, your takes and your views um, constantly. So head on over there, gang. And then in the meantime, Zach and I are off tomorrow night, but you'll have Nick and Carl for Building the Broncos, 6 p.m. Mountain, 8 p.m. Eastern. And then Zach and I will be back in the saddle Wednesday. So, Zach – have a great start to your week, my brother, and and uh, sign us off. You know what, guys? I, I know it's the last week of uh, Broncos football, and it feels merciful. It's been a long year, but I'm looking forward personally. You know, I know come this time next week, I'm going to already miss football. I'm going to already going through withdrawals and wanting Broncos football to be back. But just enjoy it, guys. When we see you next, we'll have more to talk about for the Raiders game. And let's just take this one day at a time and appreciate the fact it's still Broncos football, and we have something to talk about for this year as we wind down to what will be a much better 2021 professionally and on the field. So thank you guys. We'll see you Wednesday. And as always, go Broncos. You've been listening to the Huddle Up Podcast. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.
Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal. Not long ago, everyone knew that you're either born a boy or girl. Not anymore. The Biden administration is pushing radical gender experiments on children, changing their names, clothes, identities, and bodies. Joe Biden and his left-wing allies pushed boys to take estrogen to appear more feminine. They pushed girls to take testosterone so they grow facial hair. Biden and progressive leaders promote puberty blockers to keep kids from developing to normal men and women. These drugs can leave you sterile, infertile, impotent. Joe Biden and the new left even promote surgery on teens and young adults, removing breasts and genitals. They want boys in our daughters' bathrooms and sports teams. And now, the Biden administration is planning to issue new rules that would force doctors to prescribe dangerous drugs and worse. Tell Joe Biden and left-wing leaders across America, hands off our kids. Paid for by America First Legal.